I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real here with my partner, Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is our weekly therapy session, number 196, by the way, Investing in Bizarro World, where we talk about the markets, we'll talk about what we're investing in, we'll talk about what we're watching this week, and of course, we're going to talk about all the crazy stuff that's going on all around us. What's going on around us this week, Nick? It's a lot. Jerome has spoken. We'll talk about gold maybe bottoming, silver maybe bottoming, copper maybe bottoming, Trump, Kanye, and Nick Fuentes walking into a bar. But before we get all into all of that, how are you doing, Mr. Nick Hodge? I'm doing wonderful, fresh off of uh, the Thanksgiving break, which I told you I enjoyed and uh, looking to get into the end of the year here. Excited about Christmas and doing some more traveling and uh, the company Christmas party that we have coming up. So um, busy, busy as we get into the end of the year. Busy, busy is right. I'm also well. Thanksgiving was fantastic. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, a good holiday, a good end to their November. Um, let's jump right into it. Look, there's a lot going on this week. Some of it that's, you know, funny, not funny, like the Kanye, Trump, Nick Wences stuff. Some of it that um, I think is very symbolic of the time we live in, right? With, um, you know, this whole crypto scandal and the gentleman at the head of this scam, you know, getting rounds of applause from the media for um, for not being in prison, I guess. You know, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. He did an interview that I guess was well received by the media. I can't imagine why. Um, but let's get into the markets. It was a really, really interesting week. Jerome has spoken once again. And despite what Jerome said, which if you read the text of it, would, would lead you to believe that um, we are still in a hawkish environment where Fighting inflation is clearly, clearly the hill that the Fed wants to die on, right? It's 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 not cutting rates anytime soon. But there was a, a part in that in that speech where he mentioned possibly slowing down the pace of the rate hike. So maybe 50 basis points in December as opposed to the 75 that was kind of programmed in. The markets rallied, gold rallied, um, silver rallied. Copper rally, everything pretty much rallied, right? Even crypto caught a bounce. But before we get into that, thoughts on Powell's statement, and then let's talk about the dollar. I honestly couldn't tell you what he said because um, <laughs> because they're going to continue to hike, and that's what I know to be true. So um, whether it's fifty or seventy-five basis points, as I've been saying for months, it's still a hiking hawkish environment. You know, fifty points as opposed to seventy-five is not a pivot. It's still higher rates. Um, inflation is still sticky high. GDP is going to be low. Uh, you're in a recession. You're in the middle of another bounce. We've seen two or three of them now. Um, and the market's going to realize that, um, you know, definitely in January when the, the next round of, of earnings start rolling in and they're even worse than they were um, last quarter when, um, you know, which sent stocks, specifically the NASDAQ, to the lowest it's been in a year, which was only a couple of weeks ago, uh, people start to forget. So, um, yeah, I don't know what Powell said, but uh, what I do know is that they're going to continue to hike rates because, like you said, they got to battle this inflation. Um, and what's interesting to me is the metals, which I'm, sh which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, but I think that has to do more with, and, and I've explained this as well, um, just it's a time function, right? You're getting deeper into that economic contraction. You're getting deeper into that hiking cycle. Um, and, and so by definition, you're getting 
close to exiting it, right? Not close, but closer, right? Every day that passes, you get close to the closer to the end of the recession. Um, and so I think we're starting to see late stage recession um, things happening, specifically gold going up. Um, but we can talk about that more. Uh, as far as the Fed, man, they got a hype, man. I mean, you're going to see inflation stay five, six, seven percent for for quarters to come. And so, yeah, with relatively full employment, uh, uh, you know, uh, two more hikes ahead before they stop. And even stopping hiking is not a pivot; it's just stopping hiking. We've seen, look, for the first time in a very long time, I've seen FedEx and UPS, you know, not hire workers, actually laying some off. Right? We've seen layoffs. Um, throughout the, the the space, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Apple, whether it's Meta, um, that's going to have an impact come Q1 of 2023 for earnings. It's not going to be pretty. They're not laying people off because things are rosy um, and, and there's unicorns and butterflies behind the curtain, right? How, how does that play out? You mentioned something that's really interesting to me. You talked about the cyclicality of things. And we often talk about that on this podcast about fourth turnings, not just social ones or political ones, but economic ones, right? Where we are in the cycle is important. Why, Nick? Uh, well, for, for lots of reasons. One, the market looks forward. Um, it, two, it, it takes time to, to work through these cycles, right? Um, I've shown a chart a couple of times about how, you know, recessions start with, um, you know, orders declining and then housing prices going down and then profits going down and then ultimately uh, employment going down or unemployment going up. And and those cycles take, you know, 12 to 24 months. As we start to work through this, we're seeing, you know, different parts of the uh, economy and, and the market uh, being affected. Um, you know, people just have less money. Even the haves have less <laughs> money because, um, you know, the wealth effect has been dissipating, whether that's um, you know, the money from the paycheck protection checks, you know, being spent there or um, the fact that housing prices are now falling faster than they did ever in the 2008 housing crisis. Um, those things uh, affect the market. And then, and like I say, the market starts to look ahead. So uh, I'm not sure what specific answer you were looking for there. But what I see is, um, you know, the, 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 the yield curve remains inverted, the twos and the tens. What's interesting, what I was writing about this week is that Earlier this year, when it's first started to invert in like late March and, and April, the first time we got a little sniff of, a, of an inverted yield curve and a recession coming, it was because the two year was going up so fast. Um, that's because we were beginning to have, you know, a Fed hiking cycle. They hiked the short end of the curve. Um, now, seven, eight months later, or whatever, um, we're starting to see that um, the, the yield curve is inverted the most it's been in 35 or 40 years. But now it's inverted, um, not because the U.S. two-year is going up so fast, but because the 10-year is falling off and the two-year has, has held up. And so what I see when the 10-year falls off like that, um, you know, it's pricing in almost economic reality. It's pricing in this, re this recession, uh, metastasizing. Um, and, and that means you're getting closer to it, right? You're getting closer to this economic reality that we've been saying was coming. But the other thing that that allows for is the metals to rise, the precious metals. There you metals. go. That's the answer Be I wanted. <laughs> because it takes the, you know, gold's a pet rock that doesn't yield anything. Well, that doesn't mean as much when the 10-year yields are falling because investors look on a, on a long-term basis and at least they say, oh, well, I'm getting less yield on the 10-year. It makes gold look more attractive relatively. 
Um, and then the last thing that's changed in the past couple of weeks is the the correlation of gold to the dollar. So it was basically inverse one to one for the past twelve months. You know, the dollar went up, gold went down. You know, yeah. the, the exact opposite. Like I say, one to one inverse correlation. Now that's that that correlation has softened a little bit, and so you're getting to a place, and this is what I see. Um, where the dollar can remain strong, maybe not 115 strong, but 103, 104, 105, 107 strong, mm-hmm. um, flatline there, um, still be in a, a dollar bull market, but the, the precious metals are rising because you're getting closer to the end of the recession and the, and the bond yields are coming down. Um, and we know that uh, on the backside of a recession, the metals do well. You just have to look back to 2008, right, when, when gold screened to, to nearly $2,000 an ounce. So um, time is just elapsing is, is what's happening. It's, it's not a pivot, like I've been saying. It's just we're getting deeper into that cycle. The answer that I wanted was the one that you provided, by the way, especially towards the end as it relates to the metals. Look, we have gold that surged past the $1,800 level. That was a really, really impressive move. We talked two weeks ago uh, prior to the week off about how important it was for gold to breach that 1784 technical level and hold that right on a closing basis. It absolutely did that. Not only did that, but closed today, this being Thursday, the the 1st of December at the 1802 level. Silver looks fantastic now. 2275. We had talked before about it being an industrial metal, but it does trade more like a precious metal in the environment that we're walking into. Would you agree with that? Um, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. More conviction on silver than copper at the moment. Yeah. Completely agree. And and for obvious reasons, right? We're early parts of the recession. You're going to see silver trade more like an industrial metal, the industrial metal that it is. As we get closer to this, 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 the end of this current cycle, as you mentioned, that's when you get the speculative dollars coming back in, sector rotations, and it's starting to catch some capital. I also don't think it hurts that, you know, the crypto space, though it's rebounded a bit, hasn't really, I don't believe it's put in a bottom. I'm no crypto expert. I know our crypto expert doesn't believe it's put in a bottom. And so, uh, look, there's a lot of cash on the sidelines that hasn't gone to money heaven that's just kind of waiting to redeploy. And it's encouraging to me to see, to see gold and silver trading with the conviction that it's trading at. Um, you know, what's interesting is, um, I said a long time ago that, you know, crypto soldiers were training for the, for the, gold, for the gold army. And, um, I think you're starting to see that materialize as these exchanges continue to go bye-bye, as the scandals continue to unfold, as these altcoins continue to, um, you know, lose significant value. And, um, you've got this, these entire generation or entire group of traders that um, just saw a lot of wealth evaporate, saw what cycles really can do. And, um, you know, Bitcoin and, 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 and gold have a similar backstory or similar reasons why people buy them, right? Independence from, this, from the system, decentralization, um, you know, inflation and, and recession hedge. Well, um, Bitcoin just lost 70% of its value from, from peak to trough and, and gold has held up relatively well, another two bucks and it'll be back up to positive for mm-hmm. the for the year. I think it started the year at 18, I don't know, six or something yeah. like that. We have a um, month left. There's a lot of month left. That's right. And so that coupled with the fact that, um, 
they're really a lot of momentum traders, momentum investors in this market now, which we've seen throughout the entire Reddit saga, right? Uh, jumping on the, the flavor of the day, the AMCs, uh, the GameStops, et cetera, things that are, that are moving, you know, um, chasing charts. And so if you get a situation where the fundamentals are lined up for gold, which they are, um, and then you get a place where the charts start to look good and money starts coming back into the sector, I think it's going to suck in. Um, a lot of capital, including from those people, um, you know, who were, um, you know, in the Reddit group or the Wall Street bets or, you know, uh, you know, chasing Dogecoin and things like that. They're going to say, oh, here's the hot new sector that money's coming into just because uh, money hasn't come into the, the precious metals in the junior space for so long. So that could get really exciting. Let's um, let, let, let's talk crypto a bit. Uh, I mentioned Chris Curl, who's our in-house expert on cryptos. I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, I believe his last forecast was for kind of a January-ish, January, mm -hmm. February bottoming in the crypto space. And then more specifically, Bitcoin and a few of the other coins that he's really, really excited to allocate more capital towards. You know, I, I read some of his stuff and he was talking about the potential for not just tenfold returns, but hundredfold returns in some of the names where some of those dollars that were allocated to that account, you know, that, that $50,000 war chest that he was provided um, are going to go in the coming month or two. Have you have you have you dabbled anymore in the crypto space, Nick? I know I know you have you have some Bitcoin. I know you keep it safe. I know it's by the bullets. But have you uh, have you have you dabbled at all? Um, so my answer is going to be interesting. No, I haven't bought any more Bitcoin. Um, it, um, that's the only one I own now. Um, uh, the term is a, is a Bitcoin maximalist. I mentioned on this podcast before. You know, I think that Bitcoin is the the one true religion, and at least for me, my you know my personal appetite and my personal outlook. That's the only one that I need or want to own. Yeah, um, and I do that on a um, a hard wallet, not on any exchange, which I mentioned before, it's, it's stored in a, in a, in a safe place. And I do want to buy more Bitcoin, but I think I'm going to get to do it with a $14,000 handle. And so, um, when I see that, then I will buy more Bitcoin. Um, in the interim, however, I'm currently short Bitcoin via equities. Um, and so, mm, uh, that is interesting. Right. I, Enlighten me. Well, I mean, yeah, I, so you mentioned, you know, the end of the month, you know, Bitcoin rose into the end of the month, got back over 17,000. Uh, um, you know, NASDAQ went up a bit, headed into the end of November. I think that was a, a, a paint the end of the month type deal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're in this bear market bounce that has, you know, seen, you know, some of the pressure come off tech stocks and Bitcoin. So um, reshorted the NASDAQ earlier this week. Um, it will be last week by the time people see this and, and the same thing with Bitcoin. Now, that's not to say I'm still short by the time you see this. I mean, you know, shorts sometimes I only have for a couple of days. But um, at the time we're recording this Thursday, December 1st, I'm short the uh, NASDAQ and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm short Bitcoin. I like it. I like it. You touched on copper a bit. And, and I, I think we're both in the mid and long term wildly bullish about the copper fundamentals, right? In the near term, you're, you, you, you sounded a bit bearish. You want to tell me a bit about your copper take? Um, I think we still have a recession to go through. I think that Dr. Copper um, will sniff that back out. Um, you had some dollar softness that allowed the entire metals complex to rise up a little bit. Um, you had a, a China reopening narrative that is now being, you know, completely deconstructed. I mean, not only are they not reopening, but they're relocking down. There's protests in the street over there. Um, it seems like money's going into the, the precious metals for the reasons we've already discussed. And 
again, while I'm a long-term bull on copper, I think the, the commodity sector continues to face some headwinds here, at least for the next couple of months. So um, I know the chart looks okay. Is it back to, it's not back to $4 yet, is it? In no, those? 376-ish. Yeah. And so, uh, th- I mean, those are the reasons, um, recessionary headwinds. All right. Let's, uh, we touched on cryptos a little bit. Kind of hard not to talk about SBF when we talk crypto. There was an interview this week. It'll be last week by the time you find folks get to watch this or read this or listen to this. Um, he did an interview with CNBC in which he said he didn't try to commit fraud. <laughs> And they fucking applauded him, right? And and so I contrast that with Mark Cuban's take, um, who said, you should be afraid of going to jail. And I contrast that with Keith McCullough, who's done a wonderful job on Twitter of really laying it to everybody that was on the take. And by being on the take, um, I mean, you know, being financially compensated by FTX without even the most basic um, level of due diligence before allowing a platform like CNBC and others to be used um, for promoting FTX, right? We've now found out that assets were commingled. We found out there were, I don't know, 28, 30 houses that were bought with FTX funds. I mean, it's a scam top to bottom, like we said a couple of weeks ago that it was. And the fact that the mainstream media, and I hate calling it that, right? I mean, when Sarah Palin used to say it, I would, I would just kind of chuckle, right? Then Donald Trump started saying it. But, but that's, you know, CNBC is as mainstream as it gets in the financial world, right? And, and when I see the mainstream media provide a platform at this level, at this level, once we know, it's out in the open, everybody knows kind of, you know, what went on, how negligent at the very least, I will say fraudulent, but at least negligent, uh, the company, the board, the CEO all were, um, for them to bring them on the network for ratings sake and, and provide a platform for him to appear sympathetic while there's people that have lost their entire life's earnings. Good gracious, the times that we're living in, Nick. It pisses me off. It pisses me off. And I hate to use that language. I'm trying to be better about it. But God, this one gets me hot. Um, I would love an evening segment on CNBC that provides the same kind of platform and time to some of the victims, some of the people that fell victim to Mr. SBF and FTX, um, and, and have him come on during that segment and explain to them what happened. Now, that would be some quality, accountable television, right, that I think any organization um, could be proud of because at least you're leaving so you're leaving the viewer with some sort of an informed dialogue and debate as opposed to just bringing on the guy um, that should be in prison right now by my take and is just running around, you know, giving off um, whatever bullshit answer he can think of at the moment to sound good. And so anyhow, that's my rant. I, I, I'd love your take on it. I haven't even seen the full interview. I just read the the the, the recap of it. And again, I just, I, I, I did, I did find it highly irresponsible of the network. Not surprised by the way, but highly irresponsible. 
Um, there's a lot to say and there's a lot that's already been said. I mean, it seems to be consuming most every media outlet I see and I can't open the the Twitter or, um, you know, the, the news without seeing his um, sideshow Bob Fro and his 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 image. Right. So a lot's already been said um, and I fear kicking a dead horse. But, uh, you know, I obviously agree with you that um, he should be arrested and in prison and not parading around, you know, uh, doing interviews with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Um, and. You know, you can thoroughly equate it to Madoff, right? Who ended up going to prison and 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 dying in prison, right? The the sort of difference is the people that um, Madoff was ripping off were the the highly affluent, right? And the people that SBF ripped off for your um, your your blue collar nine to fivers, um, not you know wealthy uh, crowd, and so they're not getting um, the justice in the media, and they're not getting the justice, you know from the government, at least not yet, that we've seen uh, for that reason. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the, and you even just touched on it, you know, the people who were on the payroll, um, media outlets that were taking advertising dollars, um, sponsors, uh, you know, mouthpieces, the Kevin O'Leary's, the Tom Brady's, um, you know, celebrities of the world. Um, you know, they were all, you know, talking this up and, and, and sucking people into it. We've talked about the, the Super Bowl ads and, you know, we've talked about the government as well, which he was a huge donor to. He was, you know, donating 40 or 50 million dollars in this most recent cycle, which I know we've said that um, whether you, you want to believe it or not, you know, it, it, it buys you literally buys you either time or it buys you complacency. Um, or it buys you the the soft reception that he's received in the media. Um, you know, uh, the week this went down, the New York Times wrote a, wrote a big piece about it. I've mentioned this before, and you know, nowhere in, mentioned in the entire piece was the you know like the word crime or the word fraud or anything like that. You know, and, and you mentioned a couple of weeks ago the Washington Post piece, I believe it was, where the hopes of his phil- philanthropic endeavors to cure world right. hunger have been dashed is what right. the headline was. It almost made me puke. I said, "What? We talking about the same guy here? Who are you talking, talking to?" Talking about his failed altruism instead of the the fraud and the the crimes that have been committed and the the wealth that has been uh, sent to money heaven and so there's there's continued fallout um, you know you know other other exchanges have gone under BlockFi filed for for bankruptcy this week it's the whole fallout is not over yet um, uh, banks were involved uh, you know. Uh, other exchanges are holding questionable altcoins on their balance sheet, balance sheets. It remains to see how that's all going to shake out. Um, and I guess one, the last thing worth mentioning is that, you know, this stuff doesn't happen in bear markets or in recessions because everyone's cautious about their money. This sort of stuff happens in bubbles when there's money sloshing around, right? Where um, it, it, everything's hunky-dory. If you remember, Madoff didn't get caught swimming naked until the tide started going out, right? And so... Um, the tide is going out and we're going to see who's swimming naked. And, um, Mr. SPF was, um, you know, one of those who was, and, and I don't think he's going to be the, the last one you mentioned the tech layoffs earlier. I mean, we're seeing, um, a lot of these companies lose trillions of dollars in market cap, uh, you know, it's worth noting again that the fangs of the world, you know, if you throw Microsoft in there, have lost over $3 trillion in market cap. And some of these former high-flying tech companies have, you know, seen hundreds of billions of dollars uh, raised from their market cap down, you know, 40, 50, 60% as 
you know, CNBC continues to show for them. Um, uh, the example this week was with Salesforce, um, who Kramer always talks up, you know, that was a, a couple of hundred dollar stock that's lost significant value over the past year. And so, um, that's the environment we're in. Um, this is a, a, a bottoming process. This sort of stuff happens, uh, on the way down and, um, we'll continue to monitor it. Uh, those are my thoughts though. That guy was a, an absolute scamster. But hey, we got Kim Kardashian to pay a couple of hundred thousand dollars, right? Regulators are on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That, that, that's who's been targeted, folks. We have Kim Kardashian targeted for promoting a coin that ultimately didn't do so well. And now I think Tom Brady and Stephen Curry and a few other entertainers are being sued. I repeat, where is any sense of accountability from U.S. regulators, regulators around the world. Um, and yes, financial media, y'all have a little bit of a responsibility, I would think, to at the very least, at the very least, not provide a platform for this guy to keep lying to people. You know, if there is, um, you know, people talk about elitists and, the, you know, the the cabal <clears throat> or, you know, that, that whole sort of. Uh, the group behind the curtain. I mean, SBF was there. You know, he's got two two parents who were you know professors at Stanford who had you know significant ties to um, uh, the Democratic Party, significant ties to um, some of the regulators you mentioned. We talked about on this podcast how um, the investment arm of, of FTX Alameda was being run by the the girl whose dad was you know Gary Gensler's former boss. Gary Gensler's the head of the SEC. And so he was obviously chummy with um, Alameda CEO's father. And it's all very nepotistic and, and interconnected. And, and, and that's the reason for the for the softness so far. There's there's no other reason for it. <laughs> and I don't even really want to talk about this. I just again, let's it's, this is bizarro world, right? We, we, we covered the markets. I think we we did that pretty well. We kind of give an idea there. We'll close out with. Um, a very important week for you, Nick, as it is your birthday by the time it, it'll be a this week thing by the time people watch this. Uh, but you have a birthday coming up and it also happens to be a very important week for, you know, a, a stock that we're both invested in. But um, we, uh, we I don't want to talk about it, but I do want to just touch on it. What did y'all think was going to happen with Donald Trump, Kanye West, and Nick Wentez get together for dinner, folks? Are any of you really surprised that this turned into what people are saying it turned into, which what they're saying is that there were insults and slurs and, uh, you know, Kanye just, you know, he's lost his damn mind. He just went on Alex Jones and is doubling down on his you know, anti-Semitic uh, statements and views, which have no place anywhere, obviously. Um, he, he went on Alex Jones and says he loves Nazis. I think he said, I like Hitler's. <laughs> he, he said Hitler had a lot of good. He likes Hitler. He likes Nazis, he said. And so, again, I don't I don't care how great your beats are, Kanye. I don't I don't I could care less. Um, uh, just, I wish you reciprocity, Kanye. Let's just put it that way. Um so the, the only reason I bring this up is because at some point we have to start blocking some of the noise out. You do this better than I do. Things get me riled up a little bit more than they get you riled up, Nick. Right. Um, so, so you're better at this than I am, but I got to start being more selective on the stuff that I let come through my ears and in front of my eyes because 
it's just a clown show uh, with a lot of these people. And in Kanye's case, it's not funny because it, it, it does enable, you know, those among us that, that will use his celebrity and his speech, um, you know, to be emboldened to go do some hateful stuff that isn't just words, right? Anybody can say a thing. You can say, I've said this repeatedly. Tell me you don't like Mexicans. I've had people tell me that. That's fine. I don't like that you don't like Mexicans. I might still like you, but you have every right to say it to me. And now if it's a threat, if it's a physical action, that's going to be met with a different response. And in Kanye's case, because of his platform, and we talked about the responsibility of the financial media and their platform, because of his platform, for him to enable this type of speech, when I know he has people, he's got to have somebody telling him, what the fuck are you doing? Um, it's, 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 it's intentional and it's hateful and it can have real world consequences for not him, um, but for people that, 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 that are on the receiving side of the hate groups that exist. And so it's, it's disappointing in that sense. But yeah, I got to do a better job of filtering some of this stuff out because it's just getting ridiculous out there. I didn't even know who Nick Fuentes was. So I guess I do, did an okay job of, of tuning it out. You know what we didn't mention? And I actually do want to, I, I want to finish on lithium. So we can get there in a second. Uh, you know, I was going there. <laughs> we, we, didn't talk, we didn't talk about, and I don't know if you saw this, um, the, there was a shooting in Colorado at a, at a drag show uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, did you see the father of the shooter the other week on Twitter talking about how I mean, dude, this guy was like full sling blade. I don't know. I don't know what kind of drugs he was on, but um, we have so many mass shootings in America, y'all, that since the last podcast, there's been at least three. There was a Walmart one. Um, There was the the, the one, the one, the one that there was a one at the club, the one at the club. It's a it's a LBGTQ plus club. Um, Horrific. uh, Dozens injured. I forget how many dead. My condolences to everybody. Yeah. 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 Quite a few. Uh, losses there but uh, yes and so the dad of the shooter to your point i mean just a, an absolute derelict this guy i mean uh, you could hardly understand what he was saying if i had to guess he was on some sort of drugs uh, and or had some sort of mental issues going on but was talking about how he was a, a conservative republic republican and was more concerned like that his son wasn't gay that then he committed a shooting, you know, he, when I guess, you know, he heard it was in a gay club or a drag club. He was worried more about it, why his son was in a gay club, you know, him being gay potentially than the fact that he committed the mass shooting. I mean, it was just crazy to me. And I mean, that took up social media for a whole day, I feel like before Thanksgiving. And, 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 and it was just astonishing to me. And uh, I mean, almost comedic as horrific as it is to, to watch this guy just be so disconnected from reality. Right. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything there. I just had one more thing to say. No, I've added. I agree with everything you just said. I again, it's a bizarre world. I get it, but man, at some point, like it's you know, it's 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 not funny anymore. Yeah, the other one was um, at the I think at the University of uh, Virginia. It, it was, um, and that that involves some some a former football player and two football players. But the other thing we haven't talked about on this podcast, and we will not to spend a lot of time, but. Um, we had the quadruple homicide uh, in Idaho, Idaho. Here, yeah. which is, which is unsolved, right? unsolved and is consuming the, the local media outlets here because I live in Spokane. I bet. So that's the largest sort of, you know, regional city that's uh, closest to where this happened. So the local news channels have been talking about it nonstop um, because it's just an hour, an hour and a half south of here. Um, there's... Uh, 
sort of Lewiston, Idaho, and there's Pullman. So Pullman is where the University of Washington is, and then they're right on the border of right. Washington and Idaho. And on the Idaho side is the University of Idaho. Um, and four, four, four kids were murdered in their sleep. Yeah. You know, the three girls and a, and a guy, I think it was, stabbed to death. Yeah. While two other people were in the house and didn't realize what was going on. Um, were out until like, you know, one thirty in the morning, two were at the, a party and then went to, and then two were at a bar and got something to eat and came back home. But yeah, like you say, unsolved, no leads. It was like the, the first murders recorded in this town since, uh, I don't even remember, 2009 or 2012 or something. So, um, like a town where murders just simply don't happen. And, um, yeah, one of the girls was, uh, from right up here near me in, in Coeur d'Alene and, um, it's sort of fallen off the headlines, which is super interesting to me that in this day and age of, you know, cell phones and ubiquitous cameras on every corner and in every convenience store that uh, they've got absolutely no leads. And, and the way that college kids talk and are, and are interrelated, I mean, just just absolutely nothing. It's so bad that. You know, some kids left for the entire semester. Just, I, I they, don't blame them. It's an unsolved out. quadruple murder and you have no, the police department's telling me there's no leads and nothing to follow up on. Yeah, you're coming home, son. And change their story too. At first it was a crime of passion and, and it was specific to this group of friends and that there's no danger to the community. And then like two days later, they came out and said, well, there might be a danger to the community. Like we all know. And so anyway, just get it on the record for the Bizarre World podcast, because if it's a Bizarre World, that's a truly bizarre one. It's uh, it's 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 a lot going on out there, y'all. I know with the holidays, it tends to be, unfortunately, you know, violent, the rates of violence, uh, the rates of homicide, the suicide rates. Alcohol use, drug use, unfortunately, all tend to rise. And so, again, I talked a few weeks ago about, you know, taking up uh, therapy and just seeing what that's like and just seeing what tools are available. Um, and, 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 and I was looking forward to that. I just encourage anybody, if, if, if you're going through a thing, man, it, yeah, reach out to somebody, right? Reach out to somebody because it's a lot of people having a lot of tough times. And uh, yeah, that, 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 that Idaho case is baffling to me as well. And, and, and frankly, again, the media response there. Given how much time the media allows for stories of zero merit or or zero substance, it's interesting to me, like you said, that they're not camped up there every day and every night trying to get to the bottom of this really grilling anybody that's involved because there's a serial killer on the loose and you kill four people, you're a serial killer, right? Am I wrong about that? Yeah. I'm not in serial events, but serial in, in more than one people. Um, the media is too busy camping out to... Sam Bankman Freed interviews. Yeah, yeah. Let's let, let let's end it on a positive note. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I I got on here and 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 told you all that you know the quiet period for Patriot Battery Medals was coming to an end soon, and I, I told you that you know the December seventh Australian listing was likely going to be met with a lot of enthusiasm. It hasn't happened yet. It'll happen Wednesday, December seventh in Australia. So obviously the following day should be interesting here in the U.S., the seventh year in the U.S. Um, that was 40-something percent ago. And so the stock today, I think, closed at a new high of 812, a new all-time high. Um, well, you and I have chatted privately, Nick. I've told you I think the stock will debut um, on that Australian uh, listing, on that Australian exchange listing. It'll debut to the equivalent of $12 Canadian 
on the low end. And, and, and that may be the low end now because, man, this thing has legs. Say the last four or five days, it's really kicked up, right? From the five level or the six level to the seven level and right through to, 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 to eight. And there's a few days left before that seventh listing. But if you haven't already established a position, folks, I encourage everybody to, 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 to at least do some due diligence. It, it's, 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 it's going to get really interesting from here on out. There's over 50 holes to report. Those assays will likely be reported. I would imagine, you know, the Monday or Tuesday of the following week following the listing. Um, blackout period will be over. There's a ton of news flow coming down the pipeline. It's the biggest, silver, uh, biggest lithium discovery in nearly, in nearly two decades, definitely in the last decade. Um, and look, you know, I've said I think it closes the year in the $15, $20 range. I'm sticking by that. I think this time next year, it might be in the $50 range. I'm sticking by that. And yeah, I'm hearing triple digit numbers from some people in a couple of years. If things go right and we get the lithium market that we think will continue um, and, and, and the company continues to execute on what looks like to be the discovery of a lifetime out in Quebec, which is quickly becoming a major, major uh, battery metals manufacturing and exploration hub. That is my spiel on Patriot Battery Metals. That is what I will be watching this week. And I said it's a special week because it happens to fall on your birthday, Nick. So happy birthday. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You know, it's interesting that um, these year, these lithium stocks are, are hitting 52-week highs, uh, despite the fact that the <laughs> lithium ion battery is going to be replaced any second now, if you listen to um, other gurus and 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 gurus and and, news, <laughs> and and newsletter writers talk. So um, I've been on this trope for a little while and, and I'm not going to let off because I continue to see this nonsense out there. And, and that's exactly what it is, is nonsense. So um, I've talked about the the fact that we can't recycle our way out of this. I've seen some lithium recycling promos. Those are bullshit. Um, I've seen uh Articles about uh, and newsletter promotions about, you know, self-driving, self-charging lithium cars that have like solar panels on the top. Um, those are absolute bullshit. The company that is being touted in, in, in that promotion is down like 70 or 80 percent um, since it got despacked. They're not selling cars. Um, they're not being uh, adopted. And, and that's not reality. And then um, most recently this week is a is a is a, is a double whammy. One. Um, and they're, and they're, and they're related, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, there's a newsletter guru out there named Naomi Prince, who's got a promotion out about, um, liquid energy and this battery that could eat lithium's lunch because, um, it uses only water-based electrolytes uh, that flow between the, the <laughs> cathode, um, and, and the anode, and there's no rare earths and there's no lithium and, um, Related to that, we had a reader question. This is an actual reader question that someone wrote in with. And he said, um, have you heard or read that there's a replacement battery that charges in 15 minutes and lasts for 10 years and it doesn't eat itself every time it charges, it doesn't explode, and it's made 92% from water and uses no environmentally hazardous materials? And I, I have to assume that he's talking about that battery that's being pitched in this newsletter promotion from Naomi Prince. And so... Um, I looked up that company. It's a company called ESS Tech. It is also down 80% over the past year. Um, it generated less than $200,000 in sales uh, in the past quarter and just over a half a million in revenue over the past nine months. Um, 
to put that in perspective, um, our publishing company generates more revenue than that. <laughs> and, and this is supposed to be the company that's, you know, taking over the battery sphere that's going to replace lithium and that's going to send, um, you know, lithium into its grave. And, and it's a common trope uh, because it generates clicks and, and people are interested in, in things dying and disruptions. And from my seat as a newsletter publisher, I know that that's true, right? Oftentimes, the most salacious, sensational promotions that generate the most clicks and sales, unfortunately, are the ideas that don't work out the best because um, they're too good to be true. Um, and in this case, um, you know, this three or four dollar uh, battery that that I'm talking about here, this battery stock. Well, it used to be a, a, a an eighteen dollar company just uh, er earlier this year, right? Um, so I don't care, you know, whose venture arm is backing it, right? You know, Bill Gates has a, uh, you know, a venture arm that invests in all sorts of shit that 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 may or may not work. The fact of the matter is um, that lithium stocks continue to hit all time highs and are, and are breaking out or, and are in bullish trends, while these new, um, you know, black box uh, batteries uh, continue to to be in a downtrend and to not attract capital, and so. Um, you know, there was an article in the, I believe it was the Financial Times. Um, it was just last week talking about lithium and how there's simply not enough to go around. So they had quotes from a couple of people. There was a, a Morningstar analyst and his quote was, we see no situation where there will be enough lithium to supply all the corners of demand. <clears throat> Let me say it again. We see no situation where there will be enough lithium to supply all the corners of demand. Um there's demand for lithium because <laughs> lithium is the is the material that all these batteries are built from, that all these car makers are using, that all these battery makers just built billion dollar gigafactories for from uh, Panasonic to LG um, to all the way down the line. When you see, you know, BMW ponies up a billion dollars for new battery plant in Ohio or when you see Hyundai to bring two battery manufacturing centers, centers to the U.S. so they can qualify for the tax credits. These are all to make um, lithium batteries. Um, and the other quote in that Financial Times article was uh, from McKinsey, the consulting company, that said, even if every single lithium project that's under yep. development right now gets built, even if they build every single one, there's still going to be a 15% supply <laughs> shortfall. And so... When you see these articles and these promotions um, and this clickbait about uh, a new battery eating lithium's lunch or, um, you know, going to, to make lithium batteries obsolete, it's it's simply not true. And it's a it's a contrived advertisement to get you to, to click on it. If you look at those stocks that they're advertising, they are going down and to the right while lithium producing and development companies are going up and to the right. There's no other way to say that. Um, and so that's how I'm going to say it. Lithium producers, lithium developers, lithium explorers are a good place to have your capital right now. The world simply cannot get enough lithium. There is no alternative battery. There might be one that gets developed over the next 10 years. But all the stuff you're reading about, you know, new battery uses sodium, new battery uses no lithium. That's all in the lab on a bench. It hasn't been tested. And certainly these automakers aren't going to overnight. Um, you know, insert these new batteries into their supply chains without evaluating the risks over the course of millions of miles of tests um, and time elapsed. For the next decade, the main battery chemistries are dependent on lithium. 
I'll add one last um, tidbit to that. Why on earth would you invest or speculate or allocate any amount of capital into something that isn't proven when the clear opposite exists in the lithium space? It's proven. It's got real bipartisan support behind it. It's got real dollars behind it. Um, it, it, it boggles my mind. Listen, everybody is, is, is welcome to allocate their dollars however they want to allocate their dollars. Hopefully what we try to bring you all is some good ideas that you can do your own due diligence on and your research on and make your own decision because ultimately you have to decide where your money goes, right? You have to decide what to do with it. Um, just like we have to decide what we do with ours. But um, I would encourage anybody who hasn't done any due diligence on a Patriot battery metals or a, a more speculative, very early stage lithium explorer like Nevada Sunrise Metals um, or pick your favorite lithium company, but definitely look into the space. This is a trend, folks, that will continue for at least the next decade or two. This is a trend uh, that, that, that's going to make fortunes for people that are able to allocate capital into the right stocks. And there's a lot of quality, um, play, there are a lot of quality places for you to allocate your capital to. So that's my public service announcement for lithium. I couldn't be any clearer. Um, look, we, I, I talk about the Patriot all the time and how well that's done for the both of us, Nick. And I, I think it'll continue to do so. And again, for those of you that think you missed the boat because you didn't get in at the 16 cent level or the 34 cent level, um, I still think it ends the year in the twenty twenty five dollar level. Um, and I think next this time next year is fifty dollars. Today bucks today, folks. That's good work if you can get it. And if you got a better idea, send it in. I'd love to look at it. Well, it's certainly not a battery that's still in the lab. <laughs> oh man. Well, listen, it's been it's been. I, I could go on for another hour. There's so much going on, Nick. I want to wish you a, an awesome birthday week. I'll be I'll be obviously wishing you all the best. Um, from out here in Round Rock near Austin, Texas. Anything to add to that, Nick? Anything else you want to get off your chest? No, that's it. Um, be careful of the the headlines that are you know trying to sell you something. You know, I equate those things to you know sort of uh, back to FTX or Sam Bankman Fried, right? Those are all hype that tell a great story, uh, highly believable, um, <clears throat> but simply not true at the end of the day. It's, it's hard enough investing in real stories because things go wrong all the time, right? I'm up 5,000% on Patriot. That's awesome. Guess what? Down some 85, 90% on Magna, which had one bad quarter. Failed. The geologic model didn't hold up. Some ounces went missing because they didn't hit any ore. And guess what? They were overextended on some of their liabilities. And they just put out an announcement that, you know, they have little to no cash. They have negative working capital. And... Now we're going to have to scramble to get creative to find some solutions to keep itself solvent. And while I believe it's a great asset, and I believe Arturo and his team led that company beautifully for all but one quarter, the geology is no one's fault. That happens. You know, not raising capital at higher prices. That was a strategic mistake. Got to own those. But that's going to happen. You, you know, we're in the business of picking stocks. We're going to get some right. We're going to get some wrong. The name of the game is to get more right than wrong and to make those gains count. It's hard enough when you invest in real stories, folks. You don't have to invest in bullshit. Send us off, Liqu Nick. <laughs> liquid, e liquid energy. If you look at the chart, it's getting less and less liquid. <laughs> 
I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was our therapy session number 196 that we call Investing in Bizarro World. I encourage all of you to subscribe to the channel, like, comment, comment some questions. Um, uh, we, we like all of it. We have thick skin. Somebody said I got my hair cut from Kevin McAllister in an interview that mm. I did recently. It had me in stitches. I was laughing. Um, I'm from Chicago. I'm a big fan of Malone. <laughs> Might not be wrong, but no, look, come on with all the comments and the questions and, and, and keep writing in and keep watching and liking and uh, sharing, sharing the podcast. We enjoy doing what we do and hopefully you can find some value in it. Anything to add, Nick? No, just watched a little bit of Home Alone the other day. Uh, love me some John Candy cameos and the Kenosha Kickers. Love it. Love it. Y'all have a great, great week, everyone. Be nice to each other. Be kind to each other. And uh, yeah, let's be more prudent with what we let between the ears, right? That's it. See ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.